Welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast, episode number 57. Today with Kushal Nahata from FarEye. FarEye is a company in the logistics sector, building a software platform, helping many retailers and logistics companies to offer better customer experiences. They are also uh, a partner of Spryker because we have the same investor with uh, TCV from the United States. With Kushal, I'm also discussing the more recent development in the ultra-fast logistics segment driven by Getir, Gorillas, Flink and others. Can they become a part of the more international network of logistics companies? Will logistics be a service they can earn money with? That is one of the questions I discussed with Kushal. But anyway, there's many, many topics uh, you will be interested in. And um, I had some enlightening moments when we discussed the challenges in the logistics industry. So enjoy the podcast. Kusha, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Uh, we've already met during the K5 Digital uh, um, uh, Conference. I think this was in May or so. Uh, and there we figured out it would be totally um, valuable to have you on the Commerce Talks podcast too to talk about the challenges um, in the logistics um, industry. So uh, we have um, we have uh, one common thing, uh, which is uh, TCV as an investor. Uh, in our uh, uh, in in our shareholder in our shareholder deck, um, and uh, we met through TCV. But maybe can you give an intro about yourself and uh, Far Eye? Would be great. Absolutely, thanks, Alex. Alex, and it was lovely interacting during that time as well. I think I'll just to add to it. Outside TCV, I think we happen to play in a similar ecosystem of enabling e-commerce uh, for the brands and consumers. Uh, which also connects us uh, as well. Uh, a quick introduction of myself. I'm Kushal Nahata, co-founder and CEO of Farai. Uh, started Farai directly out of my after my engineering uh, and started up in 2013. So uh, it's been an interesting journey. And that's the time when logistics delivery assets were evolving. Uh, E-commerce was really pushing industry to come to more predictable, faster, more effective deliveries. And the trend kind of continues today. Today, it's a lot more real. Uh, every <clears throat> player out there is uh, feeling that heat. Either you transform uh, and be the player for the e-commerce slash internet delivery, and you need to really look at your technology uh, landscape and your operations as well. Uh, just a quick introduction of Farai as well. Uh, it's an intelligent delivery platform uh, we've built uh, for brands and courier service providers to provide a better delivery experience to their end consumers and reduce their cost. Uh, so that's essentially uh, at a very high level, starting from 30 minutes delivery for Domino's to let's say furniture delivery uh, for large brands like Wayfair's of the world, or let's say the grocery delivery. Uh, we kind of play across categories and helping brands and service providers uh, to optimize their deliveries and provide a great delivery experience to you and I as consumers and all of us at the end of the day. Okay, I mean, maybe let's stick with this Domino's <clears> example <throat> so um, I understand it and the listeners also can understand it. So why uh, why is Domino's working with you? So why don't they do it um, themselves? So I think like pizza delivery, there's like two options. You hire the drivers and uh, they're employed uh, uh, so on your P&L. And then when their an order comes in, uh, um, they 
start their bike, their whatever their car, and uh, bring it to the customer. Or you're um, using a, let's say, freelance network, more or less, uh, 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 and 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 therefore, um, and those drivers are delivering not only pizza but but other stuff too. So, where do they? Why do they need Farai, or what what do they use you for? Absolutely, and so Alex. Uh... I think it goes to the brand ethos, uh, and then you do things you are built for and do it in a great way. So Domino's focuses on making world's best pizzas uh, for us and then the other products as well. And they leverage Farai to essentially get those pizzas delivered to our houses in 30 minutes or less than that. So the journey, the way it works is once you've got an order and it goes to the right store from where the pizza is getting baked, now, at that same time, uh, Farai as a platform looks at, do you have enough drivers for this delivery? How much time will it take? And really optimize the real-time dispatch, which is happening. And as you would imagine, there are tens and hundreds of orders coming in in real time. Uh, so one is making drivers available. The second is optimizing the deliveries to ensure all of it reaches within the time frame. And then the third is providing that visibility and experience to the end consumers. There's a very high anxiety for us when we've ordered food. Where is it? We click multiple times. You want to know, has it left the store? Is it on the way? Is it arriving? So providing that visibility and experience to the end consumers as well. And at the end, ensuring that you have a delivery promise which has been met. That's more at an execution level. Now, if we step back, uh, you need to plan the drivers. And I think you rightly said, you can't really run it with all of your own fleet. And specifically, it's a peak and troughs business as food, you would imagine. You're not ordering across the day. So there are certain times of the day where there are peaks. There are certain days of the week where it's peak, which is essentially your weekend evenings or festivals or essentially vacations, holidays, right? Uh, so balancing that network with your own and external crowdsource as well. So you are having the right number of drivers. So we help in building and managing the crowdsource drivers as well. Now, what it does is it gives a uh, focus for brands like Domino's to actually go deeper and have better pizzas baked and innovate over there. And while the delivery intelligence and execution is taken care by Farai with its technology. Uh, there's a third scenario possible as well, where you say, look, as a brand, I don't want to own drivers. I don't want to manage it. And I completely outsource it, let's say, to a third vendor which is doing in hyperlocal slash on-demand delivery. The challenge with there is you do not have the control on the delivery experience. And that has become for a paramount importance for businesses because delivery experience is defining the consumer experience today. Uh, so if you're not able to control uh, the delivery experience, you're having a very high risk and actually a churn in your business as well. So that's essentially uh, why Domino's uh, uses us Farai to reduce the cost per delivery, uh, to provide deliveries within the SLA, and to actually ensure you have enough capacity available to execute the business as well. And how can you um, help them with uh, with providing the capacity? So let's say in a certain city there you see. Uh, there won't be enough drivers for the peak demand. What, what exactly can 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 you do here? Yeah, so that's a great question, Alex. So it works in three ways. One, uh, system to kind of manage your crowdsource uh, slash freelancers, as we said, right? 
So you essentially have a, a, a broadcast system where you create those rosters, you broadcast, and you build a pipeline that you have enough drivers who will be coming for that day, uh, for that slot. So that's one part of it. Now, in real time, let's say your orders have increased. Then we actually integrate with the local delivery providers as well, because essentially you want the volumes to be delivered within that time frame. So in real time, we can look at, do you have enough drivers or do you need extra drivers? And if you need them, we engage with the delivery service providers, which are pre-indicated to the platform to make those drivers available. And then the third is by increasing the number of deliveries they can do by optimizing their routes. So that's how we kind of essentially increasing the capacity across the spectrum. But do you uh, do you hire drivers yourself? So I understood five so far. It's like a software-based business. So you, you absolutely. So you don't yeah, have so drivers. Don't, yeah, we don't have drivers on Farai, Farai payroll, or this. But we have network which is integrated to Farai, and you can leverage that network to get deliveries done uh, for multiple categories. So it's essentially uh, the combination of. Uh, delivery optimization and delivery orchestration. And orchestration essentially provides you that network of service providers. There could be some which are very, very local to that city or country. There could be some which operates nationwide and you get that capacity which you can leverage. Okay, got it. Uh, one of the former guests, I think like two episodes before you, we had Miki Kusi, the founder of Vault uh, in the podcast, which is, uh, uh, which is a high-funded um, uh, food delivery business on Helsinki. And he said, um, because they own the delivery fleet, uh, they can control the experience and therefore outperform former monopolists uh, like Nifarando uh, in, um, in Berlin. Um, would such a business need your services too? Would, uh, would it make sense for a vault, uh, because listeners know it now, to use the Far Eye service or are they too far advanced and can do it on their own? No, absolutely. So we uh, we essentially, we, uh, like the value for, from Farai is for any and every business which is into deliveries. Now that deliveries could be with your own fleet, private mm -hmm. fleet, or could be with an external or could be combination of it. Uh, as a platform, we help optimize the routes, uh, plan the drivers better and provide that visibility and experience to the consumer. So that's essentially which is important for businesses which are having their own delivery fleets as well. Uh, and then what you want to achieve is consistency and repeatability, right? Like I think one of the biggest challenges logistic industry uh, has had is a lot of those operations were manual. So the knowledge, the local knowledge of the geography of that area resides in the brains of that local driver. Now that knowledge is getting digitalized and can be leveraged when you're do doing the next delivery. So for example, Uh, geocoding of addresses. So we got a strong ML platform which helps geocode uh, the delivery addresses and actually identify is it the correct address or that needs to be rechecked. Now, if you can do earlier in the journey when the order is placed, you actually save the last hassle of driver finding that uh, uh, exact location or marking it as failed delivery. At the same time, things like customer anxiety, right? Like if delivery is late after a certain time, it really does not matter. And like in this example, uh, if you're hungry right now, and I would say, Alex, can you wait for six more hours and I'll get you best pizza delivered. And I actually promise you 30 minutes. So it really does not help, right? 
So figuring out the delivery anxiety uh, for the end customer and actually helping uh, to set the right expectation by predicting the time of delivery plays the another big role as well. So a lot of these AI ML capabilities uh, further help in providing that consistent and more reliable experience to consumers. Okay, so one big problem we saw during Corona, especially for online retailers, was that there are not enough uh, logistics capacity available, not only in warehouses, but especially on the uh, uh, last mile uh, um, um, thing. Um, and now um, even more, we see a fight for uh, for drivers um, or for delivery drivers in the bigger cities in Europe, where uh, um, there's even now like... Um, uh, cash being paid for driver that uh, joined service A uh, and just came from service B or so. But so it's like, it's, it's really crazy. Is that a phenomenon you have seen in other countries too? Is it kind of a global thing that the uh, that there's not enough drivers available uh, and because more and more people are ordering online, are ordering um, um, stuff that will be delivered or is it just in our bubble? No, that's a uh, that's one of the topmost problems the industry is going through. Alex, uh, the shortage of delivery uh, drivers is something which is real, and it's there in almost all parts of the world. Uh, Post COVID, it's become more real because uh, there used to be a, a movement of drivers from, let's say, developing nations to developed nations or certain belts. Now, COVID actually paused that movement or that uh, transition uh, to open up that capacity. The other thing is the overall delivery volumes have increased. Now, every single business has to be a delivery business uh, if it's e-commerce, if it's an internet business, or if it's a customer-centric brand. So suddenly with excess of uh, volumes and shortage of drivers, that's creating this challenge. And that's where we feel we need to leverage Uh, technology a lot more than we do. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of investments in increasing uh, driver productivity, uh, in improving the lives of drivers, right? What are the break times? How can we make it more efficient for them? How can they do more deliveries in the same period of time? How can we sort and prepare a planned route? Like the interesting part when we started with, and it's actually true uh, as on date as well, a lot of the route planning, Uh, and the on-ground is actually happening manually by the drivers. So if you kind of walk into some of these warehouses slash shops, you'll see 30, 40 drivers standing and kind of uh, throwing parcels to kind of sort out, this is your area, this is my area kind of a thing. And I think it's a very, very mathematical problem. The challenge was pure mathematics was uh, the algorithm does not consider uh, a local knowledge of a driver. So if you're sending a driver to a new area every day, uh, he's not the, she's not familiar and it's not really that proactive. So for us, one of the greatest innovations was when we spent time with drivers and kind of understood how are they planning and use that knowledge along with algorithm to ensure they're going on same area, but you're planning in terms of distance that we need to cover. That's one uh, element which is definitely creating increasing the capacity. The other, I would say, is crowdsource slash freelancing deliveries. Like the way Uber and Ola, uh, the on-demand taxi revolution started, I think it's the same thing, logistics industry 
we'll also see where you will have smaller teams setting up their own delivery business uh and they will be uh, hooked to a network it could be a network of service providers it could be directly with retailers but that essentially creating a lot more entrepreneurial opportunity across these geographies where there's smaller teams can actually start running a business and then things like uh how they getting paid are they incentivized for the right behavior a lot of those things have been ignored which i think as we move towards uh more uh the delivery economy world right uh and i think the newest trend has been the quick commerce right where we getting stuff like even of same day on demand is not enough we wanted within within 30 minutes or within 15 minutes that creates further need for a more efficient uh and reliable drivers so the combination of technology to increase their productivity and also creating this freelance and crowdsourcing network are the big levers people are investing in today across the geographies as we are talking about the ultra fast delivery services like getier or gorillas or flink or others worldwide um part of their pitch to investors is that they're going to build a delivery fleet now let's say thousands and thousands of like drivers that are not only delivering food from gorillas but will be available through networks like fai for example for other services um do you believe in that vision or do you have proof cases from other regions of the world where this already happened yeah this is so look uh, uh i think just going back to the last point we were making alex delivery capacity and specifically efficient delivery capacity is a big challenge out there mm-hmm. so if we can have that capacity uh exposed to a network uh and essentially create interoperability of delivery of drivers uh, across different uh businesses or different products it creates a lot of efficiency uh out there so uh in my personal view i feel these are real uh businesses uh the capacity they'll create will help not just uh their business but also unlocking home deliveries for other businesses as well and you can really tie up like food does not have a demand across the day so if you build a network of food drivers you can essentially leverage them for rest of the day let's say for furniture delivery or in sometimes grocery and food also complements so there's interesting way to leverage uh the capacity you have built uh and the time when you do not have those peaks you can still uh make it productive and have drivers on more so i actually believe these businesses would scale uh and it's it's very very recent like it's just a starting uh concept where the uh some cities some states have started 50 30 minutes delivery i think this is a phenomena which will go on to stay and actually uh expand uh because we as consumers we are getting addictive and we are getting addictive uh to on demand uh immediate instant gratification as uh as the world right so all of this kind of brings in in the same phenomena like if you go back the same way i think the way uh it started in taxi industry as well uh and now it's again the problem of capacity not really uh the demand so similarly logistics efficient capacity is needed uh 
multiple times than what it is today. Have you seen those services already grown into a, uh, into a service setup? So, for example, I don't know, in Indonesia, you have um, um, Go, Gojek or so. So uh, was it proven this kind, this, this kind of vision where you say, okay, there is in, in countries with a, with, a, with a high Gini coefficient, so uh, lots of people that really want to work and deliver and uh, enough people that really order online. Um, do we see this kind of, service infrastructure already where i can just say okay i'd like to have my uh, uh have my um uh, clothes picked up from shop a please bring it to me now is it possible in some countries because that is kind of the vision gorillas and getir are selling in their pitch decks yeah absolutely like in uh i think you you mentioned a great example gujek in indonesia it's not limited to a single category they started doing multiple categories And they've even extended that uh, for uh, mobility of people on bikes as well. So not just the products, but even helping uh, humans commute because you've got a bike, you've got a capacity which is available. Similarly in China and in India as well, to give some examples, like Chugi, uh, a large uh, food delivery uh, company in India. Now they started with pure food, And now they've added delivery of any parcel uh, to your homes as well. Uh, the, the, the two different models uh, though, which exist is one, do you extend your capacity to other businesses or you start owning some of those businesses as well? I think that's really uh, an interesting factor. Businesses have built in both. Do you look at delivery capacity as your core or do you look at the consumer as your core? If you look at consumer, then you slowly start looking at increasing the wallet size and playing in other categories as well uh, that the consumer needs food, they need grocery, uh, they need to move their own shipments, uh, items from one place to another. And that's how we'll go kind of a build as well. Or do you look at the, my core business is essentially delivery capacity. I'll run this business X and I'll expose the additional capacity to the others as well. Uh, interestingly, both the businesses have been successful and scaled up. Okay, okay, got it. Uh, then let's talk about another uh, another problem in, in the delivery space. So some uh, some of the listeners here know that um, in uh, 2020 there was a change in the world postal contract setup, which was uh, uh, which was uh, which was um, built in a way that Chinese or some Asian uh, retailers could send products for a very cheap price to Europe or to the US. So it costs them maybe, let's say, instead of uh, $10, only like $1, and the rest was um, then taken care for by other countries. This is now not possible anymore. And um, some say this is also the reason why companies like Wish or Gearbest or others do have problems now, because uh, you cannot send your $20 drone <laughs> for $1 anymore to, to Europe. You have to pay now $20 and, and therefore the business model is collapsing and favors retailers that have built um, logistics infrastructures in the countries where they are delivering to. Then you don't have this problem anymore or it's a different problem, but not as big anymore. So do, do you have a view here or some perspective that can help our listeners? Yeah, so Alex, it's... Uh... I think this problem is uh, related to the uh, the two parts of this problem. One is around the efficiency and cost uh, 
uh, of logistics part of it the other is uh, the more political which is also the agendas different countries and different uh, regions are driving so like at least with uh, one of the things with covid one large realization was uh that depending on a single supply chain is actually uh, troublesome because there were stages where there were congestion at the ports uh it was blocked for months and you really didn't had any visibility of where your container or the shipments within those container as well uh, and which really moved towards more of local manufacturing uh as a concept and really governments helping subsidize or motivate local manufacturing as well that's one way which i feel is real uh, and it creates employment for the country it creates value so i don't think that uh, the that local manufacturing uh, is a phenomenon which is going to stay and which will essentially uh, increase local trade than an international trade uh that's one element which i feel a lot of it is driven uh at the country uh and the politics level the other element from an efficiency and cost i think look uh, a lot of these shipments are moving through uh ocean uh and the trade off between ocean and air is ocean is extremely cheap but takes a lot of time i think it's pretty obvious right and air is very expensive but takes very less amount of time uh as oceans get more efficient uh the trade through ships uh and there been multiple scenarios there were couple of scenarios this year as well when there was containers uh there was shipped which is there the canal couldn't move and then the entire trade belt was really jammed uh so i don't think moving at that cost is sustainable uh so in my opinion uh you'd be investing more for the logistics than what you were at that point of time uh now definitely you can make it efficient you can make it faster but i still do not see that economics really working you can do it at a certain stage to in to get early customers to get that adoption but eventually uh you need to run the business profitably like there've been so many scenarios right where the cost of returns is actually more than the cost of the product itself so a lot of these brands are that why don't you throw the product uh, we don't want it returns because the cost of returns itself is higher i think those logistics and returns costs are part of the uh, balance sheets uh, pnl right now uh, the other lever is there was a smaller percentage of your online business versus an offline and i think that is also shifting where online is taking a larger portion there where your delivery cost uh, both locally and internationally plays a role so maybe if i uh, kind of if you ask me uh, one liner view uh, i don't see those models uh, working again uh, it was short term phenomena which happened there could be another uh, smaller peaks which can be built on with some schemes some uh, trade policies uh, but the cost of logistics is significant there Uh, the cross border e-commerce though would definitely be there for the products but i think logistics cost is still a large uh, element which was ignored initially but because of the volumes are now part of those businesses pnl and people would need to pay it may be the end consumers or businesses someone need to pay for those logistics cost
Okay, okay, got it. Uh, and then there's, I saw another trend in the logis logistics industry, uh, which we um, especially see on the press sections on corporate websites now that there will be now robots uh, or like smaller vehicles in bigger cities delivering uh, uh, packages. Is this something we should take serious or is this just a PR scam? No, that's uh, so both, right? I would say there are two elements you'd be reading, Alex. The other is drone delivery as the new trend. Uh, at least there are certain countries which have started, some pilots which have started and starting from Amazons of the world to a lot of other brands have started doing Amazon, uh, doing drone deliveries as well. Uh, and similarly, autonomous uh, vehicles for doing the deliveries at the same time, right? So look where the uh, infrastructure has been built in those cities where it's more organized, uh, you can geocode those addresses, uh, the shipments can be dropped off or consumers can come and pick up. Uh, it will be real. And if you extrapolate to, let's say three to five years forward, uh, the, the shortage of delivery drivers will be a lot more than what it is today. The number of deliveries would have increased uh, to what is today. I think five years back, on an average, there were one to two products uh, which uh, consumers were ordering online. Now that has moved a variety of lists from food to grocery to fashion to furniture to electronics. Everything is kind of more, uh, now moved towards an online. So your deliveries are increasing, drivers are shortage. And for this capacity, uh, the automated vehicles become a large lever. It's still an early experiment. Like any other technology, it takes a little while to kind of make it uh, efficient and make it uh, scalable. Uh, but that's a trend which is real. Uh, I do not see a large change, let's say, in a short period, if you talk one to two years from now. But if you talk about mid-time, let's say three to five years from now, that impact is definitely real. And it also reduces your cost per delivery uh, and makes your deliveries autonomous. Like I'm extreme uh, believer that the future of deliveries is essentially the autonomous deliveries. The entire journey from the time we place an order online to getting our products uh, at our houses, the lot of decision-making which is happening uh, from where should I ship this product? Uh, who's the right fee to ship it? How much time will it take? What is the cost for delivery? Will consumer be available at that time? Uh, he wants to change uh, or she wants to reschedule. Now, all of that decision-making will be completely automated. As we move towards autonomous journey over there, uh, the physical delivery part of it uh, will also, uh, part of it will get automated. Uh, it's not an 100% zero and one kind of a curve, but it will be part of it where for certain categories, uh, this could become real. And what are you looking forward for the rest of 2021? So a part of like getting rid of the uh, pandemic, uh, um, I guess. So is there anything uh, big, very innovative we can expect from uh, FI? And so uh, I think uh, the topmost ask uh, is essentially what you said, right? Uh, that there is no next wave uh, coming up in any part of the world, right? be the third or the fourth 
I think I've forgotten the count now for different geographies and regions now. Yeah, we are uh, waiting for different... the fourth wave here. Yeah, you you said you're located in India. You're looking like into the third wave, maybe, or you're hoping that the third wave won't come. Correct. So that's uh, one is uh, the lesser scenarios we have in vaccines getting more effective. But from far right perspective, uh, look, last year uh, I think it, you kind of mentioned earlier. Early this year is where we got TCE uh, as an investor with a large amount of capital. So we started scaling aggressively uh, in Europe, uh, specifically with a team uh, built and local offices as well. Uh, this continuous innovation uh, we are happening, like the recent uh, to talk about is uh, empowering the quick commerce or the 15, 30 minutes delivery. Uh, very, very interesting problem statement. Like you did not have time essentially to plan it needs to be the complete journey needs to be planned before and calls for a very distributed uh dark store slash network to get it delivered uh that's one we're working on drone delivery is the most recent one uh where we started and we're seeing certain categories like medicine blood samples uh extremely mission critical uh deliveries or uh geographies where the trade range are uh, complex to travel. So essentially your cost by land is expensive and you can have drone deliveries uh, more efficient. So I would say these are certain elements which we are uh, working on, Alex. And as you would know, right, it's a it's a fast moving goalpost here. Uh, we as consumers, our expectations are increasing and the new standards which is coming in the industry is getting for lesser time, uh, providing better experience, and then also reducing the cost. Uh, I think cost is one element which wasn't there, uh, looked so seriously the way it's looked nowadays. Okay, got it. So, Kushal, thank you for your time. It was a, it was a pleasure again, understanding and getting more into the details. Um, from what I understood is that the, um, uh, um, the, the it's just the beginning. So we are going to see more and more Uh, uh, from the features um, you've, you've just said, um, I think um, being able to put the tracking code into some like uh, uh, delivery uh, delivery tracking uh, tool that started a couple of years ago is just the beginning. We will see more and more services that will allow us to see where is my delivery. So what's the status in between? Not only uh, uh, we got the order and uh, today. Uh, uh, you're getting the shipment message. Uh, it's it's more complicated. We see more network uh, approaches, and you believe uh, into the vision, uh, or you buy into the vision of the Gateers and gorillas of this world that they can become eventually a logistics uh, uh, um, provider. And uh, I, I definitely will. I definitely will fact check it in a year from now, uh, and then at, at latest we will see again. Thank you, Kusha. Absolutely, Alex. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I think uh, another interesting element which you said, right, the tracking of the shipment, I think that's also getting into tracing of it end-to-end -end, from manufacturers to consumers. So uh, it's just beginning of the entire transformation which is happening for the delivery ecosystem out there. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or whatever tool you are using to listening to podcasts. Next week, um, you can hear my podcast with the Managing Director of Okado Solutions, the 
undenied most successful software and logistics setup in the grocery industry. Um, and there's very, very interesting learnings I could gather from this podcast. So I'm sure you will be too. Mm -hmm.